Warning, this podcast may contain bad language and content that some listeners may find useful if you want to get a job. We're doing it again because, according to feedback which we covered last week, based on other opinions we've had, some people aren't getting the message yet. We're having to really hammer this home. Well, maybe this time we'll be more concise and a bit more positive about it. We might be, but probably not. Welcome to Seesaw Podcast with T and Cleves. Each week, open up a blurry perspective on life. Welcome back to Seesaw. How are things, Cleves? Uh, yeah, actually not bad. I'm kind of glad that we're doing this episode because um, the one thing I love talking about is this shit. We might as well just start an employability podcast. Maybe we should do workshops. I wouldn't say no that to doing workshops. That way people could slate us in person. We'll see how many bridges we've burnt and who will invite us or allow us to come to their shows. Probably not a lot of people. Come to well, your concert, who cares? I'm here will for the agree. people that want the advice. Yes, which is you because you clicked on this or you clicked on it for the entertainment value, which... Oh, I thought you meant me. No, not, not you. You should make a, uh, a reference to the metaphorical you of the listeners as opposed to the physical me. Of you, me. How about I just call you Cleves? Yeah, yeah, probably. That's, that's easier, I guess. Yeah. So if it's you, it's the listeners, and if it's Cleves, it's me. Yes. I don't think I ever had to explain that, but I'm glad that you managed to work that out. If we can only work on the other issues you have, you'll be a perfect man. So, do you have any quick blind news? No, only self-esteem issues after that. How about you? No. I mean, right. we never said it would be a weekly segment, didn't no, we? No, true. But we've we've tried to shoehorn it in in the hope that one of us would have come to the table with something and we've both been a bit lazy. That's true. Shall we move on? <laughs> I think we've got a lot to cover today. We do, we do, we do. Yeah, let's uh, not spend time pissing a boot. So, employment. We've already touched on this a lot. But to be fair... We've is... touched on this a lot was the uh, name of your trial from a few weeks ago. <laughs> I was hoping that wouldn't come up. (laughs) (laughs) That's the name of your sex tape. Oh, okay. This is something that we are passionate about, obviously. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing it again. The employment thing, right? Yes. Okay. So 85% of visually impaired and blind people are unemployed. I'm not sure about the actual number for disabled people, but I have a feeling it's quite a high percentage are unemployed and what I would call clinically Unemployed, so just clinically unemployed. I don't know. Just that's like, like the unemployment version of morbidly obese. Basically, yeah. Like they've been unemployed a long time. It's right. very hard to sort of get out of that rut. Okay. We're going to talk about this a bit more concisely. We're going to be a bit more positive. We'll try to be positive with this. Again, with other episodes, if you have a counter opinion, let us know. I suppose with our intro. Let's start off with why this has come about as why are we doing this now, Cleves? The reason we're doing this is because we had a lot of, well, feedback, negative feedback from the first episode that we did about universal credit. And then we hit the feedback last week. Hopefully we covered a lot of your points, but we wanted something positive to come out of it. And one of the things that was touched on was that we were potentially a little bit smug or looking down and yeah arrogant or looking down our noses at people that don't have jobs it wasn't meant to be the case 
and we thought it'd be good if we try and put together some tips for making yourself more employable. So it's come from that universal credit. The migration to it is going to happen. So fucking, it's about time you get goddamn on board with it. And if you're going to lose money, then maybe you should start looking for a job. And that's not a negative thing. We're trying to... Empower. Yes. Empower. Good word. Mm. That's essentially where we're going with this. Even though sometimes we come across a bit abrasive, the, the thing is, cu- giving someone a bit of a cuddle and all that and like going, oh, I'll be all right, champ, you'll be fine. It doesn't work. In reality, Like you're not going to get anywhere if people just enable negative habits. So you need to be positive and taking on board some harsh truths, but some constructive ones can really help you. And before we get anyone say, like, oh, like bring up the smugness again and, and you know, we're working, yes. We are both working, but we have both been clinically unemployed ourselves. How you, long were you unemployed for? Three years. And some three of you years. might be longer. Some of you it might be less. So we know how tough it is. And the mental health side of things, it does get on top of you as well. But hopefully today we can explain the sort of things that we were doing, the mindsets we were in, and the approaches we were taking towards employment. And you can apply some to what you're currently doing. Because as Cleve said, this universal credit migration is going to happen. And if you're going to be worse off for it, maybe this is the push you need to be more proactive and maybe you know, getting out there and doing something that you never thought you could do. We're, we're bringing this to you from a point of we've both kind of been through it, but also now we do have a job. So there's also things to say there. The universal credit thing, like say, is happening. But also as well, we don't really feel like, again, we brought this up previously, that charities are doing enough to no. help people with the, not, not just the transition, but the actual finding work and employment. And there's a lot of people on social media that are blaming everything and everyone else for this problem. But we all need to look at ourselves to make sure that we are the most employable person that we possibly can be. And... I think the reason people blame everyone else is they're a little bit scared to, you know, focus in on themselves and things like that. But this is what we're trying to address today. Being self-critical is a very difficult thing to do. And I use that term, like self-critical, not self-deprecating. Because when you have mental health issues, it's very easy to not like yourself or who you are. Being self-critical is when you're being a bit more constructive with things and looking at positive and tangible changes you can make for improvement which are very achievable, which will make your life better. They are scary because they require you to do something. But ultimately, if you do it, you are better off for it. And if it's something that isn't for you in the end, you can always go back. So hopefully, as I said, you might get some use out of this. So let's go Let's go in then. The yep. first question, and we've broken this down into questions because I feel like these are a lot of the questions that people may be asking. Number one, can you actually work? Now my thought is always that around about 90% of disabled people can work and that's not me sounding cocky or me being an arsehole that's me genuinely believing in disabled people and them having the ability to work in one capacity or another i think especially now where flexibility homeworking that there's a lot of things that are in place now and we've had a cultural shift which has meant that a lot of doors have opened up if you are chronically ill and there's certain days that you can't do or you need to amend your, your shifts to work fewer hours but across sort of like greater days, a lot more employers are on board with that. 
because they're starting to get the value of what people can do as well as like the flexibility of working at home. And okay, I did say in, in one of the episodes like, you know, it's a world market. And yes, that is a tricky thing to sort of like address. Okay. Maybe it's not a world market. I mean, there are jobs out there globally, but it's trying to be more compassionate and shit. Yeah. The reason I we're agree. being more compassionate is people just aren't fucking getting it. Yes. I think that's such an important thing, isn't it? Like, people aren't understanding... Where we're coming from. Where we're coming from. And sometimes it's tough love. There's a reason phrases like trials by fire and jumping in the deep end fucking exist. And I agree. I think a majority of disabled people are capable of some form of work. Now, should they do this at a diminishment of their health? Absolutely not. I think if you are going to push yourself into a situation where you are going to get worse health-wise, I think that's something that you need to discuss with professionals. We can't speak for everyone. That's the other thing that I will say. But in a lot of cases, it's a very sort of like closed-minded approach that you can't work. A lot of people, again, it comes down to this blame thing. It's a lot easier to blame the outside culture, which I'm not saying is fucking easy. The job market is extremely difficult and even more so for disabled people. But it's so much easier to blame everyone else than take a look at yourself. But this comes on to our next question. Are you making yourself the most employable person that you can be? And by this, I mean, when you're looking for jobs, are you physically able to do the job? If no, don't blame the job. Just pick a different job to do. Mentally, can you do the job? For me, I worked telesales. It was fucking numbing. It made me feel horrible. After a month, I ended up quitting. I know mentally I can't do cold call sales. Some people can. Some people can. Some people people love it. But for me, horrible. So I didn't do it. We're not saying stick it out, you have no other choices. But you don't know until you tried it. And there are other things out there. Like the go-to for like introductory jobs, it was like, oh, stacking shelves, working on a till, cold calling. But you can usually get admin jobs, which are a little bit more uh, office-based. You don't have to necessarily make a lot of outgoing calls. It's not full-on sales and it doesn't require... Well, it requires potentially a little bit of vision, but there's a lot of aids out there now. If you want an admin job... As an entry-level position, you can do so much. And even like the inbuilt software for like, if something's Windows 10 onwards, like narration tools for visually impaired, are pretty competitive. Yeah, they're pretty decent now. And like Zoom tools and stuff like that. And who's to say you might not be working at home from your own computer? Exactly. In which case you have everything set up for you. So I think lean on from that, if we talk about the qualification side of things as well, we both came out of university into a job market. And I will say that this is at the height of the recession. Like oh, mate, we're about to be going into another one, let's be fair. Yeah, we're about to go into another one. But the 2011 recession, we went straight into that and there was no work. So you were up against it. The important thing here is you might want to do something and you might have your heart set on something because that's why you got qualified. But you have to sometimes put that on the shelf. I qualified in criminology and I wanted to work for the police. But at that time, the police were cutting jobs. They weren't hiring anyone. So it's like at that point, you manage your expectations. You go, okay, I can't do that, but I have to do something. You can't blame the police for that. That's what I'm saying. People are no. too easy to blame the outside of this. Oh, I qualified in criminology, but the police are cutting jobs. Therefore, I can't work. No. No. There's a lot of transferable skills over all jobs. And sometimes you've got to swallow your pride with that. 
And I will admit that when I came out of university, I had a, a decent degree, I had decent A-levels, decent GCSEs, like no working experience at all. But I had all of these things and I thought, well, I want this sort of job. I think I'm good enough for this. And it was wildly above what an employer would probably be willing to, to give me. Yeah, and here's the thing as well. Whilst we say you can't blame the outside influences they are still against you but at the same time in in your respect like you say you said there's not the jobs there but if there were the jobs there and it was in a recession and there's 50 people going for one job for example not to be a prick but they're not going to pick the disabled guy unfortunately they don't you are right there it's a horrible thing to hear but it's true because staff costs is the number one expense for a lot of organizations when it comes down to it, are they going to take a risk on that expenditure on someone that they might have unconscious biases towards? Of course you're not. Whilst it's disgusting, if you're from an employment side of things, you kind of, in a way, can't really blame them. I think anyone who's worked within or volunteered and with a colleague or co-worker who is terrible at their job knows how detrimental it can be to workflow profits and efficiency if you have a busted wheel or a busted cog in the machine and even though i would say that disabled people because they're so willing and because they fight so much adversity i say on the whole i would like i would say they're probably harder working percentage wise yeah. than able body body people i would say that I, I have no evidence of that but i would comfortably put money on saying disabled people in general, are harder working. The ones I want. <laughs> but the problem with that is employers don't see the work ethic because you have to prove that to them. All they can judge you on is that interview, that piece of paper you handed them with your credentials on it. And they might hire Stacy, and she might be a busted wheel. And you might be better than her in every single way. True, but she's the one that's walked into the uh, interview not having to use a cane or a guy dog. Or in a wheelchair. There you go. And that unfortunately does go against you. So let's put a bit of a positivity on here because that, that is a little bit of a negative statement. So in these situations, I think you've got to aim low, as in entry oh, level low. That's a burn. It is, but at the same time... Uh, only if you cannot and have tried several times to get the job that you're looking for that is potentially higher than entry level, then maybe start to lower your goals. I think you should do both. I think while you're looking for work, go for things on the level which you feel your value is, but then also go for things that are at entry level, where you can learn something as well. I think that's important. It's experience on the CV as well. Yes. So my current employer, I started at an entry level position with an admin job. I previously come from a senior management position. I was going for senior management positions here and there, but at the same time, I felt... I had to go for both because the important thing was for me to get on the ladder. And it was an industry that I'd never worked in before. So although there might have been transferable skills, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to take a risk on me based on what my skill set was. Because although I had a proven track record, they haven't seen that. Again, they only see the guy with the guide dog. So I went for entry level. And then very quickly, you start to advance. If you are as good as you are, 
The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Think you are? Then you'll be able to climb a ladder if the ladder's there to be climbed. Because you just need to get in the door and show them how good you are. And if that means swallowing your pride, if you've got a master's degree or a PhD in business or whatever it be, if that means you start up in customer service, start in customer service. That's where I started. Opportunities come up and now you're the head of wholesale for an international company. I'm the head of the UK wholesale branch, yes. But still, you are a national manager for an international company. I guess, yeah, if you want to talk it like that, yeah, sure. It's not inaccurate, is it? It's not inaccurate. It might be a little bit superfluous, but but it is true. And here's the other thing. Whilst the job market is against you as a disabled person, be aware that there is support out there for you. It may be a fucking ball ache to actually get hold of, but persevere. It is there. Things like... Access to work. Access to work. I was about to say, what's that shit one that I hate? Access to work. (laughs) There's access to work, there's other government bursaries, there's a lot at your disposal. And if they're a small company as well, a lot of time they will provide loads of different technology and things like that to help you out to ensure that you are as capable as other people. Yes, and bring this up in an interview. If you feel like they're not taking you seriously or they're a little bit um and ahhing because they think there's going to be some costs incurred for employing you for your equipment, say it. I literally got hired on a bursary. When when I left my employment agency to take a job there, they got paid two grand towards my first year's salary. That was half the reason they took me. For a small company, that's a massive thing. It's free 2K, isn't it? So don't be afraid to bring that up. And one thing I'll say, and this was advice that I was given a few years ago when I was trying to advance in the current industry I am. They said, turn your disability into a superpower. So they said, okay, they're going to think that you can't do this because of this and this and this. They have all these preconceptions. But what about the things that you can do, which other people can't? So being visually impaired, my memory has to be pretty decent because I need to memorize things quite a lot. Organization has to be top notch. Because I'm not organised, I lose things. The adversity I've struggled through is an advantage because it means that I'm pretty unflappable when things go wrong. When shit hits the fan, it's usually very paltry compared to the things I've had to deal with in the past. So take what people would perceive as a negative and try and put a positive spin on it. And just say that in an interview. That's a good thing, you know, when they ask you that typical question. What are your weaknesses? People would perceive my disability as a weakness because the usual bullshit answer is oh my weakness is i try too hard or i'm a f- perfectionist or fucking yeah, yeah, really yeah. lame shit be original really fucking positive you have an opportunity to use something original and you know what people admire that and you're the memorable one because in all that sea of applicants who have said oh i work too hard or i, I always work longer than i was supposed to they're not gonna remember that answer I feel that as a disabled person, again, when I talk, I can only really talk of myself, there is that innate intention of having to prove yourself constantly, which often drives productivity. Again, yeah. it's something you can say in an interview. I've turned straight up to people and just said, look, 
You see my stick. You've, you've probably got the perception that I'm totally blind. I'm not. I can see this, this, and this. I can do this. You know, I've done this in X amount of companies before. That's how I've overcome adversity. And that's what I can do in a job role. Absolutely. And adaptability as well is another key strength. Ah, that's a great one. Disabled people are the most adaptable people in the world. We adapt to change. A lot of companies like that, if you're adaptable to change. And finding creative workarounds. Because we've all done it. In the disabled community, everyone has a way of doing things which is unconventional. But you do it because it works. And that is a skill that applies to any company. Because you're the person in the meeting who can then turn around and say, okay, well, what if we do this? Yeah, and it kind of brings me back to a point that I mentioned a couple of weeks ago on hindsight is 2200, where someone says, oh, that can't be done. And my usual response is, well, no, what you're saying is you can't do it. I might be able to do it because I'm so used to finding workarounds or solutions to problems that other people don't even see, ironically. All right, but what about, T, if you've tried all this shit, right? There's jobs that you want to get and... Maybe your disability is either physically too much or mentally too much that you can't do the jobs that you're applying for. Okay, this is at the point where I would say, look at retraining. The best way to sort of outline this is what I did. So when I was in my biggest slump, I saw an advert. Actually, the advert was pointed out to me by Richard Claridge, who we've had on the podcast before. And he pointed out that there was a free course for disabled people to become a personal trainer. I was like, what, blind personal trainer? That's weird. Is that even going to be a thing? Phoned them up and they said, absolutely, 100%, come along. Everything's accessible. We'll get it all in the format you need. What did it cost me? Absolutely nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. (laughs) So I did this course. I think it was over two weeks. And they paid all my expenses, like travel expenses and stuff like that, getting the, the train to the location and stuff like that. And then I got qualified as a personal trainer. And it was, I'd never wanted to be in the fitness industry at all. I liked my sport, but I never thought I'd work in the gym. Yeah, you know, I trained as a, crim, like a criminologist. So why would I think that? But of course, the jobs weren't there. I wasn't having any luck with like the customer service, admin side of things. So it was something to do while I wasn't doing anything. I was filling up my time. I think that's another important quick thing. Fill up your time and stuff. Volunteering, training. You can never be too well-trained. Load the CV with stuff. So I got qualified, and then there was a, a gym down the road, a leisure centre, and I walked in, and I just said, look, I've nearly qualified. Have you got any hours going? And went, no, we haven't got any hours going. I said, what if I just worked for free and volunteered? For free? It's like, I'm not doing anything anyway, but can I just do a few hours a week? And they went... Actually, yeah, if you want to come and do five hours... Like, <laughs> oh, I'll take free work, no doubt. Yeah, 100%. And they were like, oh, well, can you do a couple of five-hour shifts? And like, all you do is a couple of inductions and maybe teach a class. Like, yeah, 100%. Fine, I'm not doing anything else. Yeah, that's the point. If you're not doing anything else... And what happened then is within, I'd say, four or five weeks, one of the, in- the instructors was leaving the organisation. So the first person they asked, because I'd been working there, shown that I can do the job and was competent and a hard worker. They Saves turned, on recruitment costs as well. Yep. They turned to me and said, do you want a 16 hour a week? I went, absolutely. 
And it's still a bullshit paid. contract, but 16 hours is better than full free. Yep. And I was getting paid. And then as time went on, it was like, oh, someone else leaves a part-time. It's like, okay, so hiring someone, can you just bump me up to 25 hours? There you go. All of a sudden you got a full-time, well, nearly full-time job. Nearly, nearly full-time. Banging the extra PT on that. Yep, that's it. And before I knew it, I was making, you know, decent-ish money. Then a management job came available. And all the time I was there, I was asking for, show me how to do this, show me how to do that. And that, that when you are in an organisation from the bottom level, show interest. Get trained, get the knowledge. Because then when the management position came up, I just went in and said, I know how to do all of this. I've been trained by the manager for a year. And who got the job? Me. Because they knew how hard I worked and they knew I knew what I was doing. And then I was on decent money. So retraining, there are no limits to it. Like, if you see a HR like qualification come up, do it. Personal training, do it. If you're unemployed, you may as well. Yes. Keep your options open. Do the courses, and then you you make... Again, comes back to that original point. Make yourself as an employable a person as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Because then you don't just have to go for criminology jobs. You can go for HR jobs. You can go for fitness jobs. You can go for anything. Mm-hmm. Keep doing it. Oh, and don't put it all on one CV. Oh, yeah. I mean, you've got to tailor your CV to the job. Don't put all your stuff on there because... It looks eclectic and people don't like eclectic people. You want to come across focused. If you're going for a fitness job, take all the stuff off there that isn't related to fitness. And if they ask in the interview, you can tell them. But then say to them, I didn't put it on the CV because it wasn't relevant to the job. It wasn't pertinent. But by the time you get to the interview stage, nice little feather in the cap. It's a bonus. And stop bragging about your GCSE that you got an A in geography. No one fucking cares. <laughs> Funny. GCSEs are the biggest myth in the world. They're a prerequisite to A levels and therefore university if you choose to do You're it. You're showing your age as well because it's not A, B, C anymore. Regardless, GCSEs kind of useless. Lastly, very, very lastly, and I do have to stress this a lot, don't give up. No. It's so easy to sink into that social media culture of everyone's against me, I can't do anything because they're just going to batter me down over and over again. I'm partly not- true. I'm not going to lie. It's partly true. But you don't want it in your ears 24-7. Yep. You can fucking do this. The, the reason we are so uncompromising and, well, should we say uncaring, isn't because we're not caring. It's because I genuinely think people can actually do this. They just need to stop listening to little fucks on the internet that tell them the world is against them. Okay, it is. I am going to say that. Okay, they are they are true, but it doesn't. You can fuck them back. That's yes. the thing. The odds are stacked against you. Like that is. It's an unfortunate how that has played out. And you know what? Sucks to be you, and it sucks to be anyone who's disabled. But you know what? Things get better with time, and they get better by you being proactive. So that's another reason to get into work. Prove to the world that you have value, that you have an identity, that you are someone in society who can offer something different. Because ultimately, just think back 50 years, this was the plight of the, the black person. People weren't hiring black people based on race. But you know what? That's not a thing anymore. It might be in some very outdated areas and and small companies i'm not going to sweep that under the rug and say that that doesn't still happen similarly with women being hired but it's not so much of a thing anymore and disability will get better views will change and they are changing 
but they're not changing all the time. People aren't challenging on this. And yes, you might get rejected to 50 jobs, 100 jobs, 200 jobs. In three years, I couldn't tell you how many jobs I applied for. Must have been at least five a week for three years. So I kept going. Keep plugging away. And again, the thing we've been saying throughout all of this is make yourself that most employable person you possibly can. Are you getting rejected for these jobs? Because maybe you can't do them physically or mentally. Maybe you're not qualified to do them. So get the qualifications. If you're not physically or mentally able to do a job, do something else. You know, if you don't have the qualifications, retrain. There's so many options out there for you as a person to make sure you're that person that can get into a job. Don't just blame everyone else. Start with yourself. And then when you're confident that you are the most employable person around, despite your disability... Then blame everyone else. And don't listen to those fucks on social media in the meantime. Make sure you are improving yourself to that point that you are available for most jobs. And make yourself available as well. Don't just go for the jobs that you think are worthy of you. Sometimes you have to start at the beginning. But you will work up. You can do it. Well, like you said, you started off in customer services for an industry that you never thought you'd work in. And now you are on a competitive wage. You have your own house for, you know, you're a national manager of an international company. You know what I mean? Like, these are just facts. This is, yeah, this is why we got accused of being cunty. Because we didn't have the back context of it. I've worked for it. You've worked fucking hard, and so have I. Yeah, those three years unemployed were hell. But I did voluntary work. I did anything I could to fill out my CV. Trained in various things, volunteered for various places... And I worked in an industry I never thought I would work in. Yeah. Because if you look at me, especially on the video, it doesn't look like I should work in fitness. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I don't need to look like I work in fitness. I just need to be able to make you fit. On the bright side, I do look like I work in cake. Well. <laughs> you got it all in your hair, man. I'm frosting. <laughs> what kind of frosting is that? Mm, the same one that's on your... Uh... Don't say it. (laughs) So, as always, if another opinion, a thought, or a question, let us know. Because it isn't easy. And like we said, we can't give advice for everyone. We're not an employment agency. We're not here to deal with everyone's individual fucking issues. You've got to find your own journey. Hopefully you found some of these tips and tricks helpful. Oh, quick one as well. Look up disabled employment agencies. They are actually can be quite good. And ask more of local charities as well. It really is disgusting how little local charities do to get disabled people into jobs. They also don't hire disabled people, which is very concerning. Yeah. So we won't go into that. But yes, let us know. There's an even easier way to get a hold of us now. And that's going to seesawpodcast.com, where you will find episodes as well as social media links everything you could possibly want, as well as commenting on every episode. You can leave comments for us on the episodes there. And don't feel bad when I say this. Seesaw Podcast. Get a fucking job. Thanks for listening to the Seesaw Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Seesaw Pod, Facebook, Reddit, Instagram, and YouTube at Seesaw Podcast. You can also email us at seasonalpodcast at gmail.com. 
like, rate, review, subscribe, and then you can also find us on TikTok, but get us on all the other places. This podcast was recorded in front of a blind audience. Bye, video people. You're going to wave to them? Nope. Bye. Bye. I don't know if I'm going to keep this in. My arm's getting a bit tired now. Good.